de Global Latin Factor Podcast. Welcome, welcome you and all to another episode of the Global Latin Factor Podcast where we talk about, say it with me, Latino everything. That's right. Thank you very much for being here and joining us on another episode. I hope that you are doing good and that your day is going magnificent. If you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel or the audio and left us a review, I know that you're going to do it, so I have no concerns whatsoever. So please do join us by liking, commenting, sharing, whatever it is that you do, posting. Go follow all our social media. Very easy to find. You can Google the Global Latin Factor. I know it's a mouthful, but the Global Latin Factor, if you Google it, you'll find all, everything, everything pretty much that we have. Episodes, the thumbnails on Pinterest, you name it, we have a website, everything. So, with that being said, we are going to get to our episode. This is another solo episode. I hope that Google and everything that I looked up does not let me down and that we are good to proceed. <laughs> and uh, if there is, I have, I have no problem correcting. So, thank you for being here. All right, here we go. So, we're going to go ahead and start off this episode of uh, another Global Land Factor. We're going to talk about potatoes, a.k.a. Solanum tuberusum, a.k.a. Papa, the Incas in Peru, were the first to cultivate potato, the very first ones, around 8,000 B.C. to about 5,000 B.C. However, there's estimations of 5,000 to 10,000 B.C. In, 15, in 1536, Spanish conquistadors in Peru discovered the flavor of the potato and transferred it all the way to Europe. That's where they saw it at. It's like, oh, this potato is good. The humble potato was domesticated in the South American Andes where it spread west and then it went northward and back to the Americas and beyond. You are going to know where all the places that potatoes has been, okay? It's crazy how many places it is. The potato is a starchy tooth of the plant Salem tuversolum, if I'm messing it up, I'm sorry, and it's a root vegetable native of the Americas, native of the Americas. Genetic studies trace a single origin, present-day southern Peru and extreme northwest Bolivia. Potatoes were domesticated from a species in the Solanum Bravicaule complex in the Andes region and South America, where the species is indigenous. Some close relatives of the potato were cultivated in that area too. Now, the potato, if you didn't know, take a look at how many people, more than a billion people worldwide eat potatoes. T potatoes and global total crop production exceeds 3 million metric tons. There are more than 4,000 native potato mostly found in the Andes area. And also they come in many sizes and shapes. If you've seen the potato, if you love potatoes, you know. There are also over 180 wild potato species. Yes. Just in the U.S. alone, there are more than, guess how many, 
200 variety of potatoes sold throughout the United States. That is a lot of variety of potatoes. And when I talk about the global Latin factor, this is what I'm talking about. Some of the countries that produce potato are, guess, China, India, Ukraine, Russia. That was a mistake that they happen to be in that order. Peru, the United States, Bangladesh, France, Poland, the Netherlands, and UK. That's just a few. There's a whole lot more of uh, countries that produce. Now, we're going to go ahead and, uh, before we get that, so... The global Latin factor to me, as I mentioned before, not only is people, but the the things that we have contributed as far as the Americas, how, you know, the colonizer, whatever you want to call it, uh, Europeans came and took this vegetable that, you know, at one time helped with famine in Europe. And because if it wasn't because of this vegetable, there's originally from the Americas. There is other vegetables that are similar to it. Uh, I forget it's the night something. Uh, I forget the name of it, but it's similar, but it's not a potato. So when it comes to the actual potato itself, it helped with just advancing civilization to to be where it's at. Without potato, I mean, you think about it, even the Industrial Revolution, what do you hear? All the time, the meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes. Okay, so, you know, that's some of the uh, things that were essential for world, the world to keep moving. And it's a contribution of the Americas to me. I feel like that's part of not only people, culture, music, all that. All that include within the global Latin factor. Within the being familiar with the word Latino, Latin, and then just including the factor of everything that we have that affected and affects the world right now still to this day okay and now we're moving on to something very different this is something close to what we had talked about however it sounds very familiar to what we we had discussed before merengue dancing yeah merengue is a style rooted in africa that came to life in the dominican republic specifically closer to san Santiago, which is the capital, and is based off a repetitive five-beat rhythm pattern called a quintillo. With its African and Spanish influence, merengue is a new world music style, however, is rooted in the old world traditions. So again, we have the African sounds and the Latino sounds, Kind of like salsa, kind of like cumbia, kind of like bachata. Merengue was developed in the middle of the 1800s, originally played with European string instruments, stringed instruments, which was the bandurria and the guitar. And then years later, the string guitar instruments were replaced by, guess what? Something very European, the accordion. Thus, conferring together with the guira, the huida, and the tambora. And that's the other instruments that were very essential for that. Now, those are the sounds that are typically and that you hear on an actual song for merengue. Now, usually the actual elements and what you find in a typical music band for a merengue is this instrument, which one of them is a di diatonic accordion, which is common 
in many types of tradition, folk music. That's one of the items that you will find, as we mentioned earlier. A tambora, which is a two-sided drum that was originally fashioned from old rum bottles. And then also you have the wira. The wira is a, you know what a wira is? I know you know. It's a metal which is a metal scraper. And you'll hear, you see it, the motion whenever you see the band playing. Now, couples originated in the, uh, couple dance originated in the Dominican Republic and Haiti, strong influence by Venezuelan and Afro-Cuban music. Practice and as far as the dancing, they practice throughout the Latin Americas. That's another place that they actually practice the dancing Originally, and still a rural folk and folk dance, and later a ballroom dance. Merengue at its freest is always away from the ballroom. So whenever you see merengue dancing, which is one of the easiest dancings, if you want to talk like not too hard, this is the one you want to start out with merengue. There are two popular versions of the origin of the actual national dance of the Dominican Republic, which is merengue. One of the stories says that the slaves used to drag, they were chained and used to drag their foot out of necessity. And that's how, you know, and they would move their foot and that kind of sort of went with the beat of the drum. And that's one of the origins of the merengue. And the other one was that there was this hero, this uh, war hero that uh, was wounded in the leg during one of the mini battles that they had, uh, mini revolutions in the Dominican Republic. When he came back, there was a party of people ready to, uh, villagers ready to welcome him in and then to kind of sort of have him included and not left out. They kind of had a little sympathy one and dragged their legs too and, and limped around and that kind of sort of, you know, made them not feel weird. Because he was a hero. Now, those are two. Those are two of the main places that they say that he came from. If you know, or if you can direct me to an article or a place that it says that, because I found this one, Google, <laughs> on two places. This is where I found it at. Now, I've been known to have two or three sources and still be wrong. But if you know somebody, or if you know the article, or if you know an individual, please let me know. I'd be more than happy to talk to him or look at the and make a correction if needed, okay? And uh, it had be, the music merengue has become very popular throughout Latin America, also in several major cities in the United States with Latino communities. So I know sometimes you hear, if you go to a quinceañera wedding, Latino wedding, you hear merengue was inscribed on November 30th, 2016 in the representative list of the Intangible Culture Heritage of Humanity or the UNESCO. Now, we talked about this before. So Salsa um, and Machata are both in there. This is the organization that takes things that are not really tangible, meaning you, things that you can't touch. They include it in this area, and they give it a title that this is something that is very necessary for wherever it's from like Dominican Republic this is something that you can't really touch you can't you know but you can hear you can see you can dance it and this merengue is part and included in that so some of the famous artists 
as far as the merengue and the groups, which include Juan Luis Guerra, Wilfrido Vargas, Mili Quesada, Toño Rosario, Fernando Villalona, Los Hermanos Rosario, uh, Bonnie Cepeda, Johnny Ventura, and many, many, many more artists. There's just like a small list of the many ones that we see. Francisco Antonio Lora Cabrera, a.k.a. Nico, or Nico Lora, was the Dominican folklore music composer that is considered the father of the typical merengue, that he's considered the father of the typical merengue. He has composed over a thousand songs, a thousand songs. Pretty much they said that he, he's going to get his own separate episode by himself because like, that's just crazy to me that you can write a thousand songs and pretty much you said any kind of anything that you can think of, he could write a, a song, a merengue to it. That <laughs> That is a skill. A thousand, more than a thousand songs he composed. So he is considered the father of typical merengue. And also some songs that he created or he wrote, composed, were over a hundred years old, a century old. A century old. And right now to this day, you can still hear some of those songs playing. So to have that type of creativity and to have the influence that even after you're long gone, a hundred years later, your music still getting played and recognized is crazy. Absolutely amazing. Talking about a global land factor. So pretty much we're done with what I need to talk to you about on this one. Now, some of the things that uh, this is just very it's like an iceberg of information that I give you because there's a whole lot more, but I think it's still essential to give it a 2022 twist and with a global land factor style and let you know about these amazing things that have to me feel like a contribution of a global land factor. So make sure that you check out all the other episodes that we have. We have a salsa episode. We have a chata episode. We have a cumbia episode. If you want to check it out, We'll have them all there, and uh, we'll have them all in the... There's a playlist for all the dances that we have, Latino dances. So this one's going to be joining those. And check out all the, all the content. Once again, we appreciate you very much for being here. My name is Crispin Valentin. I am the host of the Global Land Factor podcast. Go subscribe, go like, leave us a comment. If you are on audio only, you can definitely rate us on Apple Podcasts. Pandora, big shout out going out to anybody that's listening to Pandora. We get quite a bit of listeners there, so thank you very much. And Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, there's plenty of places that I see coming in through our analytics and our numbers, so we appreciate you very much. It does mean a lot. We are going to have more episodes as long as we can get in the support and we want to get to a different goal. But for the meantime, we just want to say thank you. Thank you very much for your support. You're listening. Again, my name is Crispin Valentin with the Global Land Factor Podcast. Go follow us. Go subscribe. Join the journey of the growth of this podcast. And remember, we are just like you. We are the spice in this melting pot that it is the world. Till next time. Bye. Thank you. Thank you very much for checking out this episode of the Global Land Factor Podcast. If you are enjoying the content and the channel, 
go ahead and subscribe. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 subscribers so we can bring you more episodes, more channel. Go like, go subscribe, go write a comment. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. Pero but in fact is a flamingo Coming to Havana and reach from Puerto Rico On a pirate ship, he don't know where do we go The birds of the jungle chasing fortune and...